Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the fourth episode of the Trenches Podcast. Super excited, as always, this is going to be a good one. This is with a good friend of mine, Jade Rowe. Uh, as you're going to hear, he's from up north. He has a little bit of an accent. Gotta love it. Um, but he is absolutely crushing it in the residential real estate space. Um, you're going to hear a little bit about his backstory. He didn't start in the real estate space at all. So you're going to hear a little bit about that journey. Um, and also, Jade and I at one point in time thought we were going to start a podcast. So we recorded a few episodes. You're going to hear about that in the in the podcast here. Um, but wanted to quickly remind you, if you need another way to listen to us, not sure where you're watching this or listening to it now, but we are on Facebook under The Trenches Podcast. We're on YouTube under my personal name, Kyle Grimm. And then you can search on Apple or Spotify Podcast for The Trenches with Kyle Grimm. So thanks for uh, listening or watching and uh, enjoy. All right, Mr. Jade Rowe, thanks for being on the show. How are you doing? I am doing great, Kyle. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Hey, it's been a while, actually. The last time we did this, we were probably recording an episode of, uh, what was it called? Um, disciplined. Disciplined and driven, I think. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yep. So yeah, not many people know about that. We At one point in time, Jade and I were going to do a podcast together. Um, we had all good intentions. We recorded, what, maybe two or three episodes? Three, I think. Yep, three episodes. Yeah. And just realized like, you know, our goals at the time, it just didn't really align. And we were so busy. You were getting going with your real estate business. And so we put it on pause, but here I am doing my own now um, and having you on as guests. So yeah, yeah, super excited. Happy beer. So for those that don't know, Jade, will you just take, just give us a, you know, a few minute background, like who you are, what you do. Um, You know, this, this podcast, the trenches is like, you know, I'm interviewing all kinds of different people in different businesses, different uh, walks of life. You're in real estate mm -hmm. a lot. So just tell people kind of what that looks like. What, what, what does your life look like right now? Yeah. So I am 27 years old and live in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, or I should say like a suburb outside of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, this is my fourth year in real estate. I in basically a full-time residential real estate agent. Um, I'm a part of a team um, of now we're up to 15 agents. I was kind of one of the OG agents, I would say. I was, I think I was the fifth agent to join. And um, I actually have a few guys underneath me now as well that I'm helping train and coach and mentor and get started. Um, but it's been a fun journey. I started out in leasing and property management. So had my license, but was doing leasing and property management for investors um and then wanted to wanted to change kind of avenues and paths i went down and um a mentor of mine mentioned his team and um i joined uh joined the team in a in a, in a heart in a quick heartbeat because uh, it was uh just a no-brainer for me uh, to join his team and that was at um what was that i was 20 basically end of 2019 so um three years now buying and doing buy and sell only and then one year of the uh kind of investment leasing and property management that I was in. Cool. Well, I know you, you have more backstory even than that, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I remember right, you were in like a completely different field of work out of college. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I got a degree in economics and uh, like basically it was called supply chain management and was doing um, um, internal audit for a fortune 500 company um, and did that for a year and a half outside of school right out of college. I needed a job. I was completely broke uh, from college and just needed a job ASAP. So I got something and got some bills, you know, got, got some money, I guess, again. Um, but yeah, six months into that role, I knew I didn't want to, to, to do that for the rest of my life. And um, my family has real estate. I was involved in real estate my entire life. Uh, my grandpa, and my mother owned about 150 units. Um, so I just, and they only own, I mean, they probably, when I was growing up, they probably, they've expanded a lot since even I've kind of come aboard and helped them and done things and refreshed their mind. But when I was growing up, they probably had 50, 60 doors, which is still a lot. Okay. Who did you say owned that? My, it's basically my grandpa, my mom, and my grandma that okay. owned majority share in all of them they're they are broken up a little bit i have some equity in some of them that i've helped with um but majority share is basically with my mother and with my grandpa cool okay 
So yeah, was that was that a big influence on why then you you headed that direction? I mean, it sounds like they're in more like the investing side of things. Yeah, it looks like you went more into the the realtor side, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think um, early on, I was at my job and I just saw you know my manager was probably uh, early thirties, middle age thirty, maybe thirty four, thirty five. Um, great, awesome manager, but I just kind of saw the stress that she had to go through with, um, not being able to like see her kids, her, her, her husband was also like in a corporate position, probably manager of some sort. And it just seemed like a lot of headache where she was trying to get to their stuff, pick them up, all that kind of stuff. And, um, my mom, I mean, remember growing up, could, she could just take a day off of work or work from anywhere. So like she would be making phone calls if I was sick from her house. Right. And and she just seemed to have that flexibility, um, that I wanted. Um, and my grandpa was, you know, my grandpa's 80, like 88 at this point, 87, he was, you know, in his seventies and he was golfing and, you know, working hard, but could just go play around a golf. And, um, you know, seeing that kind of lifestyle is what intrigued me about it. Um, and then I got into leasing and property management because I initially was like, hey, I want to get some additional experience that I can bring to kind of the family business. Um, and then through that process, I learned, well, one, um, you know, to buy some of these properties and to invest in real estate, you know, I, I believe it's a lot of different opinions, but I believe that like, especially some of your first ones, like maybe you should do on your own and you need some decent income to do that. And I wasn't making much income doing leases. I just wasn't um, doing a lot of work for very little output. And that's where I was like, hey, let's explore this, this real estate agent path because my mentor at the time was doing extremely well as a real estate agent and buying investment property. And his goal, his whole goal was to use his real estate sales business to grow his real estate investment business. Yep. Yeah. So uh, you and I, I'm trying to think we met, was it through the Jake and Gino community? Is that actually? Yep. Okay. So, you know, they're, they're all about, um, you know, buying larger apartment buildings. And I remember, you know, back in the day, both, both of us were kind of trying to find our avenue and mm -hmm. what were, you know, what we wanted to head, head towards next. Why did you decide to go like that, go towards like the realtor route, um, rather than, you know, like Jake and Gino preach like the larger syndications, like, Hey, go and, you know, take down these hundred, 200 unit apartment buildings, raise the money. I'm just curious, you know, why was it that you chose that route? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, you know, truth be told, I, I honestly needed an, an income and the more that I looked into chasing down these large deals and all that, it can work. But I think the, 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 in my personal opinion, the fallacy of you need like zero money is a little misleading. Um, because even one of my friends who's kind of our age, I remember, you know, he needed to get into his first deal. He needed like 80 G's and I did not have that. He got that money from buying a duplex and then flipping it and made 80,000 on, on the sale. Right. Um, so he, that was how he kind of entered in and was able to bring a little bit of skin into the game. So there's an avenue of that, that works. Um, but I also, as I learned more about it, like, you know, specifically syndication, I know that it's great. Um, but it's, it's in my mind, just a flip of a massive, it's a flip. It's just a flip of an apartment building. You make a lot of money. Um, and the GPs get, you know, great splits. They get acquisition fees, but you know, even some of those big guys, I know that they're making just the big act fee and they're not making anything for the, you know, the first couple of years. And then they're trying to basically sell it. And their two big, big, uh, paydays are the act fee and the sale or refi, which yep. again, is great. But for me, I, I literally needed an, in, an income at that time to even survive. Um, I had moved back with my parents. I had sold my fancy car. Like I needed something. And there was also a point of part of me that's, and then you and I talked about this of, you know, I'd rather go into a deal with just you and I, we have very similar values. We've, we have very similar work ethic. If you needed money for a deal, I'd be happy to be a limited partner and just throw you money um, and, and work that out there's a certain element of, I just didn't feel um, that I was wanting to go down the path of these massive syndications because I saw, I saw guys in my life that were selling a lot of real estate as an agent and then go going and buying properties 
not just little duplexes, eight units, 10 units. And I know guys that are even buying commercial, you know, triple net lease commercial buildings with their income that they're making on as a, as a salesperson. It doesn't, you don't have to be a real estate agent. You can be another salesperson or different avenue, but they were owning these properties 100% themselves. Um, and they were going to live off of that, you know, cash yeah. flow depreciation, be able to cost seg it, all of that. And it was a hundred percent theirs. And my grandpa and my parents, that's the avenue they went down. Um, and that's the avenue that I kind of wanted to go down. And I'm not saying it can't change, but at that time yeah. I did think syndication was the way, but I, as I learned more about it, I think zero money is a little misleading. Um, and, you know, if I got a nice act fee, that's great, but I wasn't going to get the full, you know, if it was a hundred grand, yeah. act fee, maybe I'll get 10 grand, maybe I'll get 20. And that wasn't going to be enough to even just pay my bills at the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, we both have friends that are like, you know, doing really well at it, but it, there's a lot of good points there. And, you know, there's certain guys out there, um, you know, who, who have like the gurus out there who are preaching, like you know, how easy syndications are and, you know, how anyone can do it and make a ton of money. And you're right. I mean, it's just, it does take money to do it. And it also, it's pretty complicated for someone who's, you know, not, not very experienced, but so, so you were, you were talking about there that you needed, you needed money. Like, you know, you wanted to jump into being a realtor to start making money. So I'm a realtor as well. And I know when I got started, as a realtor, it took me quite a while to like get my wheels spinning. Yeah. How, how did that, like, what did the first year look like for you? I mean, was it yeah. like, Hey, you were selling million dollar houses day one or what did that look like? Um, no, I think, I think your year one in real estate needs to be, if you're going to be a real estate agent, I think your year one, um, you need to put almost everything away for your life like you almost need to set everything else aside um my year one i did a hundred open houses um i cold called left and right i met with a ton tons of lenders i met with inspectors i was posting a bunch on social media um i worked part-time as a fitness coach to make some money it took me three months to get my first payday and that came from a guy that i met at an open house and then while I was cold calling, I talked to a guy that was thinking about selling his duplex. And I got this guy, I, I reached back out to this guy. And he's like, yep, let's go look at it. We put it under contract, fell through during inspection. But then, he, then he trusted me and we went and looked at homes. Um, I mean, and then, you know, I, as, as, I, as I grew my social media presence, people saw me, like I started to get a little bit more buzz going. But my first year in real estate, I did, I did 11 deals. Um, Which and, is... Which is, I mean, that's actually extremely good, right? Yeah, I mean, you you can do one a month essentially. Your first year, you're doing really, really well. Really that, well. That's not that is not team leads at all. Like I was, I'm part of a team. Let's make that crystal clear. That is not like me getting a Zillow lead. That is not like the team leader sending me stuff. Their whole bit, their whole business model was here's your team split. It's very fair. Here's what you get for that team split. But we're not going to send you leads we're going to teach you how to find your own leads as long as you can put in the work which i like that business model personally better than them just sending me stuff so those 11 deals was all me i found those those were my closings it wasn't a hey jade i don't want to work with this or hey we got an online lead that was 100 percent self-generated leads yeah dude that's insane i mean seriously i can't i can't remember what i did the first year but i, I mean it was probably like four maybe yeah. maybe four deals but uh you know, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. If you don't, if you don't go into it, if you go into it thinking that, Hey, you're going to start making money in the, in month number one, it's not for you. I mean, it, it's uh it's a, it's a grind to get that business rolling. What, yeah. what did you find? Like, what was the best way to find leads for you? Was it cold calling? Was it the open houses? I mean, do open houses actually work? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of going through, a. A little bit of a restructure of my business right now uh, with different things, but um, open houses work 100%. They work. You just have to sit in them and not be the awkward agent that follows people around. That's what I would say. Like you just got to put in your time. I've, I know people on my team that a guy or you know, a person buyers come in and they write a contract on that house that day on that spot and get it too. Right. 
Um, and you just have to sit in them, put in the time, not be an awkward agent, talk to people, add value, don't be too pushy, but also control the conversation and um, try to get, you know, try to have some sort of follow-up plan in place um, once they leave. 100% works. I know guys that are going all in on open houses because they don't like cold calling. Cold calling 100% can work as well. Who I are you cold calling? I cold called it mostly investors. I cold called mostly people that were, you know, had a duplex, a triplex or a fourplex or a single family, but they wanted to potentially sell or just seeing if they wanted to sell. Right. Uh, I, I did. I mean, I called for sale by owners. I called neighborhoods. I called expireds. I had the most luck with investment property owners because they weren't actually living in the property. So it was more, you know, you go through a bunch of people and you're going to get no's, you're going to get tons and tons of no's. But I was looking for mainly just the easy ones that were like, yeah, I am thinking about it. And why they're thinking because they want to get out of that part of the community. They want, they're tired of being a landlord. They want to roll it into a Airbnb down in Florida, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, And I was looking for those kind of quote unquote easier ones versus the ones that I had to battle. Now, not saying it wasn't a battle, but, um, it, it does work. And I think, um, me personally, I think the best way to find deals, like, I think that first year you kind of just have to do everything. That's, that's my opinion. You kind of have to do a lot of things and figure out what you like and what you don't like. But that first year, you got to have to just grind and do whatever. Um, then you can kind of start to pivot on figure out where, where you, where most of your business is coming from and how can you kind of pour gasoline on that fire that's going. Yeah, for sure. You got to do whatever it takes. And what you like, like what you like too. Like there is a certain avenue of like, this business will burn you out if you don't like cold calling. You don't like open houses, like don't do that. But I think that year one, you got to just go, man. So uh, that actually brings up another question. You know, I've had a couple, I can think of a buddy of mine in particular. So he's a banker. He's a young kid. He's like 22 years old. And he's mentioned multiple times, like, maybe I should get into real estate, um, you know, as a realtor. What, like, what's your, what's your response when someone, if someone was to say that to you, like, hey, you know, I'm thinking about being a realtor. I guess my question really is, what kind of person does it take to be a successful realtor? Because here's what I know. Um, Some of my friends, I know, like, you know, a couple of them, like, he's an engineer. He's talked about real estate before as well. And, you know, they're very structured people um, and like, you know, the nine to five aspect of things. I'm just curious your thoughts on, you know, what kind of person does it take to actually be like a, a really successful realtor? Yeah, that is a great question. And it's funny you bring that up because me and some other guys on my team um, are kind of talking about that um, right now. We were kind of talking recently about kind of that it factor. Like, I think... I think anybody can be a real estate agent. I do, but I think that there is a certain it factor that it takes for you to be successful, like very successful and maybe quickly be successful. Um, and that it factor would be somebody that um, is willing to willing to like be very mentally tough. You need to be very mentally tough because your best friend might buy a house with some other agent. Your mom might sell their house with a different agent. Like, how is that going to break you? If your mom sells their house with a different real estate agent, is that going to break you? And that might happen. Like, I am no joke. It might happen. Or you might be working with this awesome lead for three months. They're awesome people. You're connecting. You're vibing. You go one month without sending them a text message, and they buy a house with a different agent. Not because you did anything wrong, but that's just the heart of the business. You have to take that mentally. Um. And sorry, if you were going to say something there, <laughs> I was just thinking in the back of my mind, I'm like, I shouldn't ask this question, but what about even, uh, certainly this never happens with you like it has with me, but what about like even just some drama that comes up between other office, like other agents and like, you know, sending back and forth offers. Like yeah. I've had to deal with some things before. That's just like, Oh man. I mean, like you, you have, in my opinion, you gotta be, you gotta have, you gotta be humble. Man, you gotta be humble. You gotta be you gotta be humble and you do not have you do not want an ego. I don't want to work with another agent that has an ego. Like we're all in the same, you know, playing field here. You and I both want to get the deal done, make our clients happy, but 
you know, there's a lot of agents out there because you can make really good money and you're branding yourself and all of this nifty, you know, nice cars, a lot of guys with guys and girls with, you know, with egos. And I think, you know, you sometimes have to be the one that just goes, you know what, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get paid and we're going to feel done. Here you go. It is what it is. You know, for example, I helped out this guy recently this year who, um, he was looking for duplexes and my team and I would do a lot of duplexes. He came to me, you know, started looking, got some under contract. And while we're pending, he calls me. He's like, oh man, I feel really bad. Like I was actually working with this agent like four months ago, looking at single families, but then I wanted, I switched more. I do duplexes. So I reached out to you. And my dad said it was fine. I didn't have any like stuff signed with any good one. He said, you know, whoever finds a deal is the one that you should work with. But now I feel bad because it's like a family relationship connection and they, you know, are kind of wanting to get paid. So he calls me this agent and is kind of just has a you know a little bit of an ego to him. And I could have been the guy that had been like, no, dude, like I'm not giving you nothing. But to me, it wasn't, it wasn't worth the drama where I was just like, dude, like here, like whatever. You know what I mean? That's it's okay. It's okay. Make him happy. I'm so happy. Client's happy. We're good. Right. Um, I think you need to have some, some humbleness and, not have this ego like you're better than everybody else yeah for sure that, that's a good point actually I, if you continue to be successful you have to keep that of i'm gonna be i'm gonna be humble with wherever i'm at yeah yep i definitely don't know any of those people definitely not <laughs> so um i guess so like the last couple of years i mean you got into real estate like 2019 so real estate was booming right i mean it was kind of on the on the run up with you know low interest rates you know COVID happened. A lot of people were wanting to, you know, buy a house. What do you think? And I know this is a hard question, but um, especially with, you know, raising interest rates, I don't know when people are going to listen to this, but I think the rates are going back up again. I know in my area, local banks, we're like, shoot around 7%, I want to say. Um, what, what does real estate look like to you in the next like year? I mean, are things going to slow down? Is it going to crash? Do you have any, any idea or any feelings about that? Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a simple answer. I don't think there's going to be a crash. Just do not think there's going to be a crash. I do think there, there will be prices that come down though. How, by how much? I don't, I don't know. I don't really know, but I think prices will come down um, for everything, every asset class, every price point. I think prices will come down um, because it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of the, the, the reality of the beast right now, interest rates are going up so much. I mean, there's some loan officers and lenders that I'm talking to that are thinking it might be, 10 percent you know they might oh. be they might get a 10 percent at some point here in the next year um so that will affect pricing that will affect home prices um do i think that it's going to crash no i think there's there is a lot of indicators that show the amount of equity that people have in their houses is way more than what 2008 was people are locked in a low fixed debt long-term debt that um you know from from, from a single family residential standpoint like you know, unless they're not, I don't know, outside of like maybe um, employment factors, if people start losing their jobs and that might affect their mortgage payment, maybe, yes. But also there were so many refinances that happened in the last year or two where their mortgage payment might be lower than what it was when they bought it. Yeah. And they already have this equity. So if one person lost their job and had to go find something like they might, um, they might have you know, they might be able to cover that mortgage payment. And I also just read something that shows there's a lot of people with a lot of more, like a lot more savings now than there was back in like the 08 crash. So that if one one person does lose their job, you know, the other um, husband or wife can probably, um, you know, foot that mortgage bill until the other person finds their job through their own job or their savings. Um, I don't think there'll be a crash at all. Okay. I think it'll be a slowdown there. I'm already feeling it. I'm already experiencing it. Um, and the prices will come down, but I do not think there was going to be like this crash. And let's just, yeah. my, my, always, my, my, my thought to everything is kind of like, let's, let's play it out actually. Like in my opinion, like let's say it does crash tomorrow and all homes take a hundred thousand dollar hit, you know, luxury homes at a million and $300,000 first time home buyer, $200,000 houses all go down by a hundred thousand dollars or 10% or whatever you want to call it. Right. Like something drastic. What is going to happen? Well, all the people, all the investors, especially that missed their opportunity, quote unquote, back in 08, are going to come swooping in. Any home buyer that right now 
maybe texted me or called me last week that I'm going to wait that does have money sitting aside. If, if prices drop, what are they going to do? They're going to come back into the market. So if we do see a substantial, I believe that within a couple months, it's going to go right back up because there's going to be investors that are going to swarm. There's going to be home buyers that are going to swarm that are waiting, waiting for this to happen. And if it does, which I said, let's say it does, it's going to come right back up. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting. I mean, neither one of us were really active in 08, 09, right? I mean, I, I had no idea I was in high school. I had no clue what was going on. So now looking back, you know, at, at what happened back then, I'm trying to make decisions about today. And it's it's crazy. I, I don't even know how to explain this. I heard someone talk about it. Maybe you, you did too, but they're talking about how debt, like, you know, good fixed rate debt is like becoming the asset because, you know, some people have their home locked in at 3%, 4%. Well, you can't do that anymore. So it's like now your, your mortgage is like an asset and you could actually, you know, some loans are assumable by other people. And that's a big benefit, you know, to like a new buyer, like, oh, you have a 3% fixed rate debt that I can assume, you know, I'll pay more. So it's just, just wild, you know, very yeah, interesting I just, times. I just saw a property where the owner was offering contract for deed financing at 4%. Wow. That's, that's pretty, uh, that's, you know, that's, that's, that's looking good in a lot of people's eyes, especially it was a four unit, especially as an investor, you're like, Ooh, I can get that at 4% interest. Like that's way better than getting it at 7% interest. Yeah. You know, another interesting situation I had recently, I had a house listed for a hundred and like, it's like 170,000, something like that. And an older lady, I want to say she was in it. She was in a bigger house. It was probably like a $230,000 house or something like that. She was wanting to downsize her life into this smaller house. Well, she actually made an offer. We accepted it. Uh, she hadn't given us the earnest money yet. It was like a day later. And she canceled, she like pulled the plug, which was a whole other story, very frustrating. But the reason why come to find out she pulled the plug was after she talked to her bank, she realized that even by downsizing to that $170,000 house, her mortgage payment was actually going to be going up because mm -hmm. interest rates had changed so much. So yeah, just odd times, you know, seeing rates go up so much. Makes a big difference. Very big difference. It's funny yeah. because anybody that, I was, I've been doing some uh, past client interviews recently for a little bit of the, 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 the shift that I'm kind of focusing on. And um, I had a couple of people that bought and sold last year. They sold their house and bought at the same time. They kind of like a move up buyer basically. Um, and it was funny because a lot of them were getting feedback from people last year saying how much, for lack of a term, how, how stupid they were, how big of idiots they were for buying and selling during last year's crazy market. Um, but all of those people are laughing now because some of them are in their dream home that they would not be able to afford right now. And, um, they sold their home for more than they can sell it for. Um, so are there pros to buying right now? Yes. But I think anybody that was saying you're an idiot for buying and selling last year, like you're probably laughing a little bit because yeah. you're at such an awesome rate. Dude, I'm kicking myself. I mean, my wife and I are still, still house hacking a four unit. And I'm not going to lie, we're getting a little bit claustrophobic and I would love to buy a house, you know, our first actual single family house. And dude, I'm just like kicking myself. I can't believe, you know, some of my, one of my buddies is a mortgage broker and he was, he had some people down in the low twos, uh, you know, uh, went like a year, year and a half ago or whenever that was. And dude, now, I mean, running, running the payments at 7%. The amount of house I can afford just went off a cliff. A just... lot, a lot. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Bummer. So I, I'm curious what, you know, when someone comes to you um, and wants to buy a house, so you hear this argument. So you hear like Dave, not Dave Ramsey, um, Grant Cardone. He talks about how buying a house is such a stupid idea and how you should just like rent anywhere you want to live and then, you know, put your money to work somewhere else. What is, what's your thoughts about that? I mean, do you think, do you think buying a house is a good financial decision or do you think it's, you know, I guess maybe it's your, maybe your opinion has changed now with the interest rates, you know, changing so drastically, but do you think, do you still recommend like, especially a young person, like coming out of college to buy a house? Uh, yeah, easily. I think if you, 
especially if you do it, if you do it in a little bit different way than maybe what people typically think. And what I mean by that is like, let's say you're a single guy or a single girl coming out of college or you're, you know, you got your first, first, um, job at a college and you're making some money now you're saving up some money and you're like hey i could probably you know probably maybe get into a house now right um if you can buy a house with a low down payment um that's a three bedroom four bedroom house um and rent out the other rooms to friends you are winning 100 all day every day laughing to go to the bank Um, because let's say your mortgage payment even at current interest rates like for me, it's like, I, I'm, when I talk to people, I'm like, okay, let's, let's put this out. Like, say you get a $300,000 house, your mortgage payments, two grand, even it's a four bedroom. You live in one bedroom, you rent out the other three bedrooms to buddies or even random people. If you want to just grind for a little bit. Right. And you rent each of them for $600 a room, which depending on, depending on the location is really in my market in Minnesota, $600 for a room is really good. That's $1,800 that you're getting. And then you literally have to pay only $200 a month while someone else is paying your mortgage. And then if Grant Cardone wants to come in and say, Hey, you can put your money to work elsewhere. Do that. Then you can, you, you're, you're only paying $200 to live. If you went and rented a single bedroom apartment in my market, it's like a thousand dollars. It's a thousand dollars or more to rent a nice one bedroom apartment. My girlfriend was paying like 1350 or something like that. Just base plus utilities. Right. Man. Like, it's wild here, right? I know that's not always the market, but in my market, I'm like, dude, if you have to pay two to five hundred dollars a month to live in a place you probably want to live or close to it where you want to live, then all the extra money, if you want to invest in stocks or whatever, you can do that because you have your whole mortgage payment covered. And then if you live there for three years, or or at least you know you live there for a year, then you do it again, or you um keep it as a, as a rental or just keep doing what you're doing with other rooms being rented out for three, four years, you'll make money. You'll be able to sell it and make who knows, you know, you yeah, might, I mean, might, hope, might hopefully 30, the market, 40, 50, 60, 70, like whatever. Yeah. Hopefully the market's appreciating. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that's the thing I think about with, you know, buying a house. It's, it's really like a forced savings account. You know, maybe it's not, if you're not renting out the rooms and it's just you, you're just living there and you're still forking money out. Every single month, if you track your net worth, every single month you're making a mortgage payment, you're paying a little bit of principal off. So whatever that is, maybe you're paying like $300, $400 of principal off every month. That's just money going right into your net worth. And so- I call it it a little bit of, I call it like our piggy bank of equity is what I call it. Like you're building this piggy bank of equity that you're going to be able to tap into at some point. You can do a HELOC to go buy an investment property. You could you know sell, make all this extra money. Um, and what people, what people don't think about is when you're renting, you do have an interest rate, whether you like it or not, or this hurts me, this hurts you by me telling you this, but you do have an interest rate when you are paying rent and people don't think they do, but you do have a 100% interest rate. Like that's your rate. <laughs> that's, me, I, I've never thought of that. Like find, that. Me, find me the argument, find me the argument that, that counter intuits that or whatever, like that's a hundred percent interest because none of it is going into the, into that equity. Yeah, dude, that's okay. a good point. That's a good it's point. All going into your landlord's piggy bank of equity because you're paying their mortgage. So would you rather pay their mortgage and make Grant Cardone rich, or would you rather pay your own mortgage and at least pay less interest? Because it's hundred percent yeah. interest. You don't get any of that money back. Yeah, don't tell my land. Don't tell my tenants that. I mean, no, I. Won't tell no, my- I- <laughs> for it, it really does make sense for certain people to rent. I mean, depending yep. upon the phase of their yep. life. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's the that's a beautiful thing about buying real estate as an investment. It's more or less you're buying something, but someone else is paying it off for you, um, and it's also appreciating hopefully over time. So yep. yeah, yeah. But if you just want to, if you're not even an investor mindset and you just want to buy a house, um, you are not paying one hundred percent interest anymore. You're paying seven percent interest. Yep. Right. So, okay. I want to ask, cause I know you guys, you're killing it. This, I mean, you have killed it for the last couple of years. Um, team steady, right. Is the name mm-hmm. of your, your team. Yep. I see the hat. So what, what is, what is a day in the life look like right now? Um, especially in a busy time, like when you guys are really slamming, 
what what does your day look like i mean like I, i'm curious i'm always curious like what time are you waking up are you into fitness are you on the phones immediately all day like just what what does your life look like yeah it's great i um i might be different than other people that you interview because um i think for me this the, i am in fitness i love working out um i go through ups and downs of working out i really got into crossfit last year which has been fun but now i'm trying to i really enjoy endurance stuff so like triathlons and stuff like that i really like that so i'm kind of pivoting back over to that and trying to mix them a little bit because i love my crossfit community um but what i was going to say is that specifically in my role as a real estate agent i think that um is it a is is our job a physical like is it physically hard yes i think it is more mentally hard than anything that is it's more mentally hard than physically hard it doesn't take much physical effort to sit on your computer and write up an offer or drive to a house and open the door but the mental battle of when a, a person drops you of the hard conversations you need to have of the intellectual types of conversations you need to have playing into people's psychology you're almost a marriage counselor at times like, yes <laughs> a lot that you take on and that's mentally grinding not physically like your arms and your muscles grinding so for me i do not have like a very structured routine um to be honest because there are some days and it's hard like it's one of the reasons why i'm trying to shift a little bit of my way i'm doing business a little bit so that i can be a little bit more structured but there are some nights that I am out to, sh you know, showings until seven, eight o'clock at night, coming home, eating, um, writing up stuff and I'm reading or whatever, doing a little bit, having a little bit of me time or with my girlfriend and then I'm in bed by 11 and I might not wake up until seven, seven thirty the next day because I'm just exhausted and I need to sleep. Um, but then that next day I might go to bed at nine 30 and wake up at five 30 to hit a workout at six 30 AM. Right. Um, I almost play every day. Um, I try to have a little bit of structure. Like my mornings are pretty typically like that's me time. I don't set a ton of meetings between like eight and noon. Um, usually my first meetings are like at like one or two at the afternoon and onward so that I can do any admin stuff. I can do any social media stuff. I can prospect whatever kind of in the morning, um, and kind of have my, my me time. Um, but I'll sometimes throw in an 8 a.m. coffee if I really want to meet with this person or want, you know, it needs to happen. Um, but I do not have a crazy like, oh, yeah, I'm up every morning at 530 and I look at my vision vision board for yeah. 30 minutes and meditate for the next hour and a half and then work out for 20 minutes and take a cold shower. Like, no, I, I don't. If you do that, that's awesome. But um, I don't I think I don't have enough. I've realized that I don't have enough. I honestly don't have enough self-discipline to do that stuff every single day. So I try to create, I try to create in my life, what I've learned is what I want to find things that are fun to me, like what is fun, right? And what, and so, you know, me waking up at and, and hitting cold calls at 8am every single day is not fun. I'm not going to get up every single day and want to do that, right? Um, there's some days I don't want to go even to the gym, but I make myself, right? So there is a balance between what's fun and what's not. You do have to choose the hard sometimes. But my point to that is like, I don't have this like, oh yeah, hundred percent every single day I'm hitting yeah. this because that's just the life of the beast so, in, my, in my realities. I could get a seller that calls me right now. Right. Says, hey, I want to meet with you tonight at eight to sell my house that I want listed by tomorrow. Like, what am I going to say no to that? Like that, yeah. could, I'm not going to say no to that. So it's very hard for me to be like, no appointments after this time. Like I try my best, right? But if something happens, I got to go. I know that's how, that's how it is too. I mean, for me, even on the investing side of things too, like when you own property, you know how it is. It's like, oh, like this furnace went out and it's 20 degrees out. Like you got to drop what you're doing and call, you know, an HVAC guy or, you know, a plumber, whatever you're dealing with. It's very, you know, I wake up in the morning kind of knowing like, this is what I need to get done, but it is definitely tough to maintain like, oh, from 8am to, to 9am, I'm doing this. And then from you know, this time, this time, it just, it's hard to, hard to do that. I found, but you're talking about, well, I guess the question I want to ask is, can you, can you disclose, like, tell me a horror story, like one of your, one of your worst clients or worst transactions or tenants. Do you have any horror stories that you think of? Oh, let me think here. Let me think because okay i mean i man 
I had, uh, yeah, let me think here. So I had one, I had, I had a couple that I helped buy a house last year that we would go do showings. Um, and then after the showings, they would take about an hour to talk about it. And then every single night we would have, not every single night, but every night that we would do showings, which was two or three nights a week, we'd have probably an hour, hour long conversation after. Um, and this was during a, uh, this was during the, you know, kind of height of the seller's market, I'll call it. Um, and I remember we got a property at list price, which was just like, not, not even fathomable, like during that time, or like, it just, it just didn't happen. So we got a list price. They were pumped. I was pumped, right? We then got them $5,000 of seller credits. So we got them $5,000 towards their cash close, which again, during that market and timing of last year, you just wasn't, it was unheard of, right? So we won all day. We won once we finally got this house. Come day of closing, I'm in San Diego with on a, on a friend trip for like a long weekend. And I have an agent of mine uh, cover my final walkthrough. He shows up and there is a chunk of carpet missing about that big in the corner. Um, and the toilets are all like brown. Everything else is clean, but the toilets are brown. And there's this massive chunk of carpet missing. And um, basically, I, you know, I, uh, I'm in San Diego and now I'm dealing with this, which was awesome. And again, I think kind of back to your old point, like if you're not willing to deal with that kind of stuff, if you're on vacation, like maybe real estate isn't what you want it to be. Like my guy, my friends were literally on the beach. And what I have to do, I had to walk over across the, the, the off the beach, sit down in a chair and start making phone calls. But anyways, so they were obviously mad. They were they didn't want to close. And what was the problem was, was if ours didn't close, the sellers made an offer contingent on our closing. And then the, that, that house that they were buying, that was also contingent on another one. Oh, no. I was literally the foundation. If ours did not close, there was going to be one, two other transactions that did not happen and they were all going to oh, pay. Man. That gives me anxiety. So I, I'm, I call a listing agent and then again, like it's one of those times where like, can I be stern? Yes, I can be stern. But I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be an asshole for lack of their term. Like I'm just be like, Hey, like, here's the photos. Like, obviously they're not very happy. Like what's going on. This wasn't in the disclosures and they're and like, Oh yeah. Like, let me, I'll, I'll, that's, that's a bummer. Let me see what happened. Let me see what happened. Right. I get back from them. Look, the, the, the sellers bought the house with that forgot to repair it, forgot to put it in the disclosures and just covered it up with a chair in the living room and forgot about it which okay yes and no that's fine i guess but you went to thought of like hey when you're moving your furniture out being like oh yeah i forgot about this this piece of uh, carpet that was gone and send that over to us so we don't see it at least on the day before closing like yeah. that would have been helpful um so i end up go ahead do you have a question quick well i was just gonna ask like did the, the suspense is killing me did it end up closing it did end up closing i ended up and then I, I basically told the sellers, like, you need to give us money. And they're like, no, we already gave you $5,000, which was unheard of in this market. We're not giving it. We didn't know, but we forgot about it. And my buyers were like, they need to give us money. They need to give us money. And I got, I got like a quick carpet quote from my guy that says I could probably patch that for like a thousand bucks and change both toilets for another three, $400. It was like a $1,400 bill. I got the sellers to pay us 200 bucks. I fronted $500 of my own money just to get it closed. And then I hear, here's $700 towards it. Can we close it? Yeah, we can close it. And we close it. That's what it takes. That's what it takes. Yeah, that's man. Some of those, oh man, I can't imagine having like multiple deals all hanging on that one. And then knowing the pressure of that. Oh, yikes. So that, that's oh. one of those things where it's like, was that physically draining? Not really, but being in San Diego with friends and dealing with that is a pretty big mental hit um yeah. so you know i think if you're a i don't know if you're an agent you gotta have some way to some way to keep your mind sharp too and just like release some mind anxiety or pressure what is that for you for me that is my that's my faith 100 like i got bible studies every week i a firm believer in jesus christ and getting into, into the bible every single day or a couple times a week is the way that i keep my ground if i didn't have that i might be really into 
drinking or other yeah. things it could be crazy i don't know but that is what allows me and to keep keep going yeah. because I have that hope and i have that rock and that foundation other guys that are in real estate or other sales jobs that are grinding but we're all doing it for um you know that reason and, and pump each other up and encourage each other from that from that lens versus the just make more money so you can buy nicer toys yeah for sure if you don't have some sort of like fallback and uh and something that ground you dude it's probably not worth it but um what okay so what what does like 10 years from now look like for you? Do you think, do you think you'll still be grinding as a realtor? Are you going to start focusing more on, you know, investing or are you going to start a coffee shop? Uh, what, what is, what, what does that look like 10 years from now? What do you yeah, think? Yeah. I'm 27. So 37 from, for me. Um, I think that I will still be a producing real estate agent. I think though, that at that point, um, my real goal is to not be as heavily involved in production, um, mm. meaning that, you know, I have a couple of guys underneath me that I'm training and coaching and mentoring. Um, I have potentially a full-time buyer's agent that works with all of my buyers, um, potentially like a, like a, some sort of listing agent even. Um, and I'm kind of just maybe the face of the brand, um, that still is going, um, and kind of just the head organizer. Um, but that also can, that also could change because yes, like, you know, I want to really buy as many properties as I can, um, before then. So if at some point I, uh, get to a place where my, my investment properties are making me enough income and supporting my family and I before then, like maybe I will be out. Right. But there's a part of me that I do like the business a lot. There's a lot of opportunity in the business. So retirement for me doesn't necessarily retirement out of the industry doesn't necessarily mean like I'm not going to be involved in it because there is, I just, I just have poured so much time, energy and effort into it that I don't think I could potentially maybe ever, ever completely, completely leave and be out of it because I really do love the industry and I love helping new agents and I, and I love helping people buy and sell homes and invest in homes that I don't think I will ever completely be out of it but yep. it'll way less of it yeah yep that makes sense who knows dude i mean you know 10 years from now we we might be doing something something completely different i mean just never know hopefully yep. uh hopefully you can start spending a little time in the winter out of the cold actually wait you if i remember right you actually do you enjoy the cold I enjoy the cold i mean i think i enjoy december and then january february i'm like okay i don't like this anymore. yeah Man, I don't know how you do it. Oh, that's that's Pretty rough cool. out there. Skiing and um, playing hockey outside and those types of things. But uh, yeah, once Christmas comes and goes and New Year's, I'm like, all right, let's speed this along. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, so one of my last questions. Um, again, thinking about some of my younger buddies have who have been thinking about getting into real estate, or maybe it, maybe it's not even real estate advice in specific, but. If you could go back and um, and give yourself some advice, like in the business sense, can you think of anything that pops into mind just in terms of like you would to fast track to where you are now, you would you do something different or maybe you would focus on learning something or is there mm -hmm. anything that you can think of that kind of pops into mind? what first comes to my mind is kind of come, goes back to like that it factor I mentioned about in you know what what it takes to kind of be a successful real estate agent is um i think in business in general like you know people say relationships are all relationships are all which they are but i would say even before then like before that like you need to build all these relationships which you do right but before then there's a piece that needs to happen and that piece is like your own personal people skills like mm. If you are a very analytical person, that is awesome. That is not me. I am analytical at times, but if you are very analytical and cannot relate to a lot of, of ton of people or even want to relate to a ton of people, then how can you potentially develop all those relationships? Like you need to, and I'm, and I'm saying that from, I'm an introvert. Like people always think, think that I'm very extroverted, which I am. I know I always joke with my girlfriend, like, I could talk to a wall if I, if I, if I you know, needed to, like I'm the guy that walks into a room and like, 
I'll immediately just find like some, some new people to meet and talk to. Right. But that's a skill that I've developed, like with unintentionally, I've developed that I grew up extremely introverted face got red, got skin rashes from like, you know, like uh, doing public speaking in front of classes. That was me. Right. Yeah. Like think of absolute introvert. And then I pushed and pushed and forced myself through high school and through college to get more involved, more confident in myself, more conversations, more failures, more awkward conversations, more good conversations. And now I know that I can probably meet anybody. And I mean, anybody and find something like that I can connect uh, with them on, whether it's personal life, business, relationships, fitness. And that came from, that comes from doing a lot of things too. Right. But um, I think before you can really develop all of these relationships that people talk about in business, whether it's in real estate sales, doesn't matter. Right. You need to be the person that genuinely cares about people, genuinely, genuinely wants to get to know people and have those right skills to, to like actually talk with someone and not be this awkward overthinker, which I've seen over and over again, where people think there's this script that I'm using. I'm not using a script. I'm just talking with people, asking them questions, getting to know more about them. And that's it. Like it doesn't seem forced. It doesn't seem awkward, but that's just who I am. And I've developed those skills unintentionally somehow, some way by the grace of God, he gave those to me. But if I was a person looking back, that's that, that matters a lot. And you need to focus and work on that before you can build all these relationships. Cause, because if you don't have that, you're going to go in and try to like forcefully make these relationships or it might be like awkwardness. And then you're going to be like feeling down on yourself. because you're like, I can't make any relationships or it's awkward for me to make relationships. I can't be successful. Well, no, you can be successful, but you got to work on yourself and your people skills and your communication skills first before you can go out there and put yourself out there in the world to develop some relationships. For sure, dude. I love that. Um, and and as you're talking, it made me think of a conversation I was just having with a couple of buddies, kind of unrelated, but I just want to get your thoughts. People might think this is stupid. Um, do you find yourself, because I find myself doing this, I tend to mirror people. So uh, what I mean by that is like, if they are dressed, if I know that they're going to be dressed a certain way, I might also like change a little bit of the way I'm dressing to like mirror them or like, here, here's a specific situation I'm thinking of. And again, this sounds so dumb and people are going to be judging me for this. But okay, so if I know um, I'm going to go be meeting a contractor who's like, you know, a good old boy, like, you know, redneck from the sticks, um, like I'll throw on my work boots and like, you know, an old like hoodie or something and and kind of like try to like dress down versus like if I'm going to go meet a banker, you know, I'm I'm like trying to look look a lot nicer and I don't know why I brought this up, but like, I'm just curious, do you ever find yourself doing that where you're like mirroring people or like you're showing a client who's like maybe super animated. And so you, your like energy level just automatically like tries to match theirs more, uh, mm -hmm. or am I just crazy? Because mm -hmm. here, before you answer, I'll say yeah. like the group that I was talking about, like half the guys were saying like, yes, they did. They tried to mirror people in some capacity. But then half of them were like, no, like I'm always myself no matter what. And I, I think that the reason why mirror people is some, you know, some of it has to do with like, I probably care too much what people think. Um, but that was like some of the comments from the other guys. So I don't know what, what, what are your like thoughts? My gut, my gut reaction is no, I don't mirror people. I, I, and this is going to go back to even like the, uh, the developing your people skills mm. because I could, I think I know confidently I could have a great conversation with a billionaire and a great conversation with a person that it just got their first job and thought of like maybe homeless camp or something like that. Like yep. I can engage with the millionaires of the world and I can engage with the people that are from the sticks out in Northern Minnesota or whatever. I can engage with anybody and I think the way that I dress, I, I'm never the suit and tie guy. Um, I am typically going to be in some sort of pants with like moderate sort of boots or shoes. And then like a long sleeve shirt, like a casual long sleeve shirt and my hat or not, not, not my hat sometimes. Like it's, if I go into like a, like a listing appointment or something like that, maybe I probably won't have my hat on, but like other than that, like 
I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm going to meet with a million dollar buyer. I'm going to dress a certain way because mm. I want it to be more you enjoy my presence and my communication and the energy that I bring versus somebody else. And I bring the same energy if I'm, you know, and I like, there's, there's people that are very analytical. There's people that are very like amiable, amiable are the very expressive people that are like, kind of go, go, go. I'm like that. We're more analytical. Right. But I'll go into those same conversations. I'm going to go meet with a very analytical investor and a very amiable, like, um, first time home buyer or something like that. Like I will enter those with the same energy as any, of uh, anybody else. The only difference is I might just tailor, um, some of the things that I talk about, right? Because if yeah. I start, if I start talking about numbers after numbers, after numbers, after numbers with an amiable person, then they are going to be like, what the heck is Jade? Right. I don't want to talk about numbers. This doesn't interest me. Right. I want to talk about how cool houses are and the styles and the kitchens and those types of things. Versus if I go into an analytical conversation with a person and they are like, and I start talking about how cool these kitchen countertops are, or, you know, this types of that kind of stuff, they're going to be like, bro, I don't care. I don't, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I'm carried only about the numbers, right? Yep. You do. And that, and you might be, some of your listeners might be like, Jay, what's amiable even mean? Well, go look it up. Go look I don't up think four. I've ever heard of that word before, to be yeah, honest. Look up four types of personalities. Like there's, there's different personalities that you as a, as a strong communicator, that is what matters more than your appearance. Yeah my opinion because i can tailor my account if i know you're analytical i'm going to talk all about the numbers and if i'm in a showing with you i'm going to talk about the age of the water heater the roof those types of things like very nitpicky stuff that i know is going through those analytical minds or i'm in a showing with an amiable person i'm going to bring those things up so that they are obviously aware of those things but i'm also then going to talk more about how awesome this kitchen is or the things that i don't like about the kitchen that they might be thinking about because that's what they care about they care about that an analytical person cares about the numbers and you yep. need to be able to address those people the same way using your communication, not the way you dress. Yeah. In my opinion. I love it. I love it. All right, dude, I know you're busy, so I got to let you run. But, um, if people wanted to, I don't know, follow, do, I'm not sure how active you still are on like social media, but is there a place that people maybe can just check you yeah. out, see your, see your face, who you are? Yeah, uh, I'm Jade Rowe, so it's uh, J as in Jack, A as in Apple, D as in Dog, D as in Dog, E as in Echo, so that's two Ds. Um, Jade Rowe, R-O-W-E, on Facebook or Instagram, you'll be able to find me. Um, I don't even know what my Instagram uh, handle is, but I'm probably more active on Facebook than Instagram, um, and that's one of the big shifts that I'm going to be making is um, I'm, already, I'm already active on social media, but I'm going to be a lot more active on social media, so... Um, you check out my LinkedIn, you know, just Jade Rowe, any of those sites. Um, if you want to check out my real estate stuff, it's jade.teamsteadyrealestate.com. That's my website. Um, if you have questions of stuff, you know, feel free to um, DM me or text me. Um, if you do call me, sometimes I'm not going to answer right away. Just leave me a voicemail. But I mean, anybody can reach out and chat. I'd be more yeah. happy. Yeah. Dude, that's that's the one thing about being a real a realtor. Your phone number's everywhere. Like all people yeah. have to do is Google your name because I'll have tenants uh, call me my personal cell phone number, which all of my tenants get a different business number of mine. Same. And I'm like, how in the world did you get my phone number? And I mean, dude, you just Google my name and my phone number pops right up. So kind of is what it is. Oh, I will I will actually say one thing here. I just this is just came to my mind um, that I'm doing for the first time, and I'm kind of having people do. That I, that I work with. Um, this is not about real estate um, agent stuff, but more about real estate investment. If you're, if you're, you manage your own stuff, obviously, right? Like I do. You do. Yep. I manage my own stuff right now too. And um, if you have the ability to, this is my personal opinion. I know it might not be perfect, but if you have the ability to make your tenants not know that you're the owner, that is going to be great. And what I mean by that is like, here's an example. I live in a duplex myself, okay? My downstairs tenant, I'm moving him in. The whole process, he thinks I'm the property manager. I set him up as I'm the property manager. I communicate with the with this owners. They've hired me to, you know, do the rent collection, the screening, everything, right? I, I, I run everything by them, but I'm just a property manager, right? And why do I do that? I do that to create space between them and me, right? 
And then if I have to be the bad guy and be like, dude, your music is too loud or this happened, it's not me being the bad guy. It's, hey, the owners literally need you to do this, this, and this because of X, Y, Z. And they're not like, there's no like, oh, but Jay, like, come on, man. Like, dude, I'm just the property manager. I'm telling you yeah. what they're telling me. And um, yes, the business phone thing is great, obviously. Um, but even me, like, let's just say I wanted to use my number, like, and they found me like, okay, yeah, I'm a real estate agent. That's, that's what I do. But I'm not the owner of this property. I just, just the property manager. I have a family friend connection or wherever you want to make up. Yeah. So care. is that, it, does the tenant that you live with in your duplex, do they, yep. do they know you're the owner? No. Nope. Really? Wow. No. Nope. I say I'm up, I live upstairs. You can, any maintenance stuff, you come to me and I'll let the, I'll let the owners know. Um, call me, text me. Here's my number. You can use, you know, knock on my door if something's urgent, but, um, I live upstairs and, uh, I will let them know ASAP. Do you guys ever just like vent to each other? Like, man, that owner can't stand that guy. Like he won't fix well, that thing or what, uh, what he doesn't, maybe if it comes to that, I totally would. If it comes to that, I totally would. I just don't, I don't, I just don't want that. I don't want them to know that I'm the owner. Cause I, you know, people are good. I try to get the best tenants I can, but I just, there's a, there's a fear in me. That's like, if I know if, if all my tenants know that I'm the owner, they're, they, you know, they might just, and they're the ones that are communicating with me directly. They might, it just takes, it just takes one bad tent to like use you and abuse oh, for you, sure. you know, tie into your emotions or whatever, versus you just being the manager and being the bad guy. And cause I'm, I do like people, right? Like I, I do have a hard time. It's probably my, my weakness is like, I don't want, I do have that kind of like, okay, we'll let it slide or we'll mm -hmm. figure it out. Um, but I also, as, as an investor and the property manager, there's, there's a time to be the bad guy. And I don't want that. I don't want to be put, I don't want that to be put on me. I want to be put on the quote unquote owner. Who's not me. <laughs> yeah. And I wish that I was more set up that way. I try to be, but unfortunately, like I live in a pretty small area, you know, even a town of 40,000 people is a small town. And so very quickly, like, oh, you know, that 10 unit apartment building is owned by, you know, whoever, Kyle. And it's like, it's pretty hard to like hide, you know? Not so. That's, that's, no, I don't have to deal with that. My, my, my properties are in large cities. Larger. Yeah. Well, it's been, it's been fun to watch um, you grow your business. I mean, like real quick, just, I should have talked about this earlier, but my perspective on you um, over the last few years is, okay, so we met in like, I don't remember what year it was, like 2018 or it's 2019 actually, it was 2019. Was it really? Okay. So I was in a place in my business where I had actually moved down to Tennessee. Um, not really sure what I was going to do. And, and Jade, I think that you were in a similar phase of life where you were like potentially going to make a change. Mm -hmm. Um, and you decided to be become a realtor and dude, you just put your head down and just, just did it. And it's like, somehow you were able to keep up the blinders and not worry about what everyone else was doing. And that's something I've always struggled with is like, I have a hard time committing to one thing and then not getting distracted by like, Oh, you know, what are the, what's, what are these guys investing in? Or, Oh, maybe I should be doing this. It's like, dude, I don't know how you did it, but you just boom, just so focused. Uh, and I don't know. It's like, being becoming a realtor, you 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 made it sound fairly easy earlier, and you don't give yourself enough credit because, like, dude, you're crushing it. Yeah, I I I think I think part of that probably comes from when I was still working my W two job and was learning real estate kind of on the side. I and probably even probably even when like you and I met you know, I was, I was kind of just in a place of like confusion because there's just, there's so many options. There's so many things you can do so many things you can invest in. Um, and I think when I finally found the squad that I'm on and the kind of the job, it, it just, it just finally kind of, for me in my mind felt right. And it was kind of a crystal clear picture of like how this, how this can help me. Um, and now I'm in a place where I'm, I'm already like, I'm trying to reinvent myself again, because it's like, I had these goals of what I wanted to do when I started out. And like you said, I put my blinders on and I saw exactly how I want to get there. And then I kind of did it. And I went above that. And now I'm like, oh, wow, 
okay, now what's next, right? And that's where the shift and the change in kind of my mindset and different things is kind of happening because, yeah, it's, it's, I want to keep my blinders on, but I'm just like re-evaluating things, do things because I, I hit the quote unquote goal that I wanted to do when I started and it was crystal clear. And now it's kind of not as crystal clear again. So I'm trying to figure it back out. For sure. It's like when you hit that ceiling, it's like, okay, I hit the ceiling now. Well, you haven't hit the ceiling, but you figured out what works. And now it's like, I, hey, the, how- I, I hit the ceiling that I, that I put on myself for sure. Like I put the ceiling on and you hit it and you're like, you bust through it. And you're like, okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Let's, what do we got to do now? And I think the only way to do that, you know, and that's not me saying that from like a cocky, arrogant way at all. But I think the only way to like make, get, get, put yourself, make a reasonable slash exciting slash little scary goal or ceiling on yourself and then put the blinders on until you hit that ceiling and then once you hit that ceiling figure out what you want to do after that you need to call me like once a week and make sure hey kyle are the blinders on this week are the yeah. blinders on are, are you focused because yep. it's dude it's it's still it's a struggle of mine and that's honestly i know we're all wired a little bit differently like some people are more dreamers than others but yeah dude it's it's tough for me to just like put my head down and focus it's just you like you out like you figure out like what's you know that question about like i wouldn't even say i think i think the question about like the 10 year is sometimes a little deceiving i think like the 3 year question is almost better mm-hmm. like what what's your what's your 3 year vision right or like what is what's going to make you and um devin right yeah yeah what's going to make you and devin the most successful or you know the, the best position and you know, just, just pick one thing and run with it. Right. Um, and maybe keep a little, little, a little, you know, a few things on the side if you want, but yeah, man, I think it's just in real estate in general. Um, there's, you just gotta keep, you just have to focus on literally one thing. And I get that question all the time. Like what's next, what's next for me? I don't know, but I know that I'm, I know that I'm hundred percent dialed in on just growing my sales business for now. And then, buying property when I can. And do, cool. I want to do, well, do I want to do syndication? Uh, I don't know. Do I want to do commercial? I don't know. Do I want to do apartments? I don't know. We're going to figure that out. But right now, building my sales business. That's it. You need to hire a cameraman to just follow you around because I think people find that so interesting. You do you do a really good job with like Facebook Lives, which is awesome. But dude, just like hire a cameraman to follow you around all the time. That'd be awesome. Maybe I'll do Day that. Day in the life. Someday. Yeah. All right, man, I'm going to let you go. Thanks again for being yeah, on man. the trenches and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Kyle. All right. See ya.